0: How's everybody doing? Give it up, dude. Hey, hey, this dude just had one of his, uh, one of his teeth taken out. You weren't supposed to sing today. So much for that. Hey, right, okay. Uh, that's fantastic. fantastic. guys. Good morning. Good morning. everybody doing well this morning. Good to see you, guys, man. Good to see you right? Well eight man. It's uh, hopping this way. It is hopping. That is crazy, man. Well good Good to see y'all. Good. To see, I think I've met everybody. If I haven't, uh, my name is Casey, one of the one of the folks serving alongside you here is pastor. It is great to be here, great to uh, just, just enjoy the presence of the Lord this morning. Can I get a big old fat New City Church? Amen. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, man, like this is, uh, this is something Daniel was talking about this morning is that uh, Daniel Romans 8 was talking about um, the fact that, that, that the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit of the presence of the Lord. And so we will never never be dictated by emotions, will never be dictated by our physical anything, will never be dictated, man, we will be dictated, though, by the Holy Spirit uh, testifying to us, testifying to our spirit, man, and that was a great testimony this morning uh, as we were led by genuine worshipers who rocked the house, man, I'm telling you, it was awesome. It's like uh, everybody's awake now for sure, so uh, we are in this series now called uh, uh, Help I've Got Kids. And uh, if you got the message last week or if you got the uh, Facebook Live that I posted, I asked everybody to to read Nehemiah this week if you can, and if you didn't, I'll catch you up a little bit, but I wanted you to be thinking about the, the whole situation with Nehemiah from the perspective of a child and from the perspective of a teenager living inside the broken down walls and inside the... Uh, inside uh, Jerusalem there. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the greatest need of children being the, the fact that they are loved. They know that they're loved, and we learn how to love them in a whole lot of different ways. But we learn how to love them the way God has created them to be loved. Amen? Right, it's not something like, a, like we can't just say, well, I love you because I do this, or I love you because I do this. We, we looked at uh, ways that we can find out what their love language is so we can learn to love them uh, even deeper and even, even more so. We also learned that every child is different and uh, uniquely made in the image of God. And, and we also have talked about how God truly, genuinely loves children, how Jesus talked about children and said, as a matter of fact, challenged adults that were grown too grown for their own good uh, to be more like children, because the kingdom of heaven is is just like some of these, and you know when I was talking about uh, reading Nehemiah, you know, just kind of reading through that, uh, man, I just like like I love the the whole book of Nehemiah, but Nehemiah a lot of times we miss and we don't think about it from the people that actually live. We think of Nehemiah as a great story about things that God can do using his people. All that's true. Like, like we, when somebody has a has a great vision from God and a great heart for God, things can be done faster. And and all those things are absolutely true. In fact, we've got uh, the uh, sort of a, a broken down, if you will, wall that we're looking at, kind of representing the the wall of Jerusalem that's going to be outlined in Nehemiah. Those are awesome and and great, great stories, great great encouragement, if you will, from the account of Nehemiah. Uh, But one of the things, like I said this week, is I'm rereading Nehemiah, I'm looking at it, since we're in this series called Help, I've Got Kids, I'm looking at it from the perspective of a potential teenager and a potential child that was living in Jerusalem at the time. And what it reminded me of is one of the things that we did when we first came to Edgerton, you guys believe it's been uh, over four years that we first stepped into the city of Edgerton, and we went door to door to different, pla- to different people. We actually just about hit every door in Edgerton. And over and over, we heard things like, well, we're really not that much of a town. Or we're really more the armpit. And people literally tell me that we're the armpit of Johnson County. Uh, that I've heard, he- I've heard people tell me things like, uh, nobody's ever cared about us. In fact, it brought some people to tears when we started doing different community events and serving alongside people and helping different folks do different things. It brought people to tears because people actually said, nobody has ever cared about us, our little city on the outskirts of Johnson County. And man, it like, it reminded me that Nazareth was very much the same way in fact they were asking people about hey can anything good come from Nazareth well that's how people feel a lot of times in a town like we have here in Edgerton that well you know we're just kind of a small town things are not all that you know not fancy or anything like that we're kind of looked on as this but I'm telling you this like God gave me and has given a lot of us a great vision for this city uh, and a great vision. I see, and I and I and I know this sounds crazy, but I've got this 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 mentality, this mental picture, and I and I you know I, I tell people all the time. I think it's a it's something that God has given me. Of historians uh, like hundreds of years from now, looking at this this town and seeing where did this Great Awakening start. And I know that sounds crazy, and it sounds like uh, self serving, like yeah, man, we're we're all that. But here's the deal: like, what does it look like for us to make an impact in our kingdom right now? Like, start making an impact in the kingdom, like, from the city of Edgerton, where hundreds of years from now, if God hasn't, if Jesus hasn't come back or whatnot, that they're looking at this going, where did this great revolution of the Lord start? Tell me where this Edgerton is. Let's look at this and explore. I think people are going to be talking about this city in from, like, years and years and years from now. Amen? That sounds crazy. I know it does. But when God speaks and God's God moves, man, like that nothing is impossible for him. Nehemiah is all often touted like I said is that 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 story where hey, we can do like stuff as a team together. Together we can achieve all the different things that we could never do individually. All those things are are absolutely true. But I want to hear want to kind of like look at this this idea of the book of Nehemiah and the destruction of the of ju- the wall of Jerusalem and the danger that it was in and, and it's in essence like all the different things that the enemies were attacking and looking at it from a perspective of a teenager or a child but specifically a teenager and the reason i am uh, looking at it from the the perspective of the teenagers i was a youth pastor for for six years and a lot of times uh, i had i had parents like call me a little bit because i would i would challenge them to not just be considered children i know that a lot of people will call teenagers if they're 13 14 15 16 i'm like hey that they're just children. And I kept telling them, actually, you guys are young men and women. Historically speaking, the whole idea of adolescence and that kind of thing is is not is something we just sort of made up, you know. And it's a marketing tool, if you will. And I know it sounds even weirder because it's so commonplace for us. But you know, like 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 God looks at children, has looked at children, and has challenged uh, adolescents and teenagers over the. You think about David, you think about all the different things that he did, maybe being 12. You think about him calling Mary, who was probably 12 or 13 at the time, to carry the Son of God, the, the Savior of the world, inside her, man. And he challenged her to do that. So I don't look at teenagers as little kids. I look at them as potential great impact people for, for, the, for the kingdom of God. Amen. And so when I look at the look at the things that were happening in Jerusalem, and you think about like the teenagers that were going going down, uh, just living in that town, this defeated town um, of Jerusalem, this this uh, place that had been ransacked by enemies, and place that had been, in essence just forgotten about and the people were defeated and that probably the teenagers started hearing about the stories about when God was doing his thing and all those different things and things like that but he just probably didn't seem very relevant at the time you know you would hear things like I would imagine and again this is just total speculation but imagine teenagers saying you know I don't feel like going to temple today all right yeah dad I know I know what God used to do yeah parting the Red Sea yeah I know Daniel in the lion's den yeah I get all that whatever whatever whatever, but, but the, thing that, the thing that blows my mind is that from a teenager in a defeated town when everybody in the whole town is defeated and down and despondent, a lot of times will affect their outlook about who God is because we've forgotten who God is a lot of times. We get so busy or the challenges of life or all those kinds of things, and so we'll learn a few lessons from Nehemiah's account, but I want to kind of help us understand as we go through the scriptures of Nehemiah what it looks like from the perspective of a teenager and a child, but specifically put yourself in the, in the mind and in the, in the outlook of a 13 or 14-year-old in that town that has been defeated and despondent and nobody's ever seemed to care. One of the things that we want to learn and how to do this is that when we want to go down go through uh, the community and as a church start helping and having an impact on a community and and fixing the things that are broken all those kinds of things the first we want to do is name what's broken we want to name it we want to we want to say hey this is what is broken and we're going to identify it and deal with it Nehemiah actually starts off by Nehemiah's uh, like how this all happened and how Nehemiah became a um, just uh, like like fired up for the city of Jerusalem, is that his brother comes to him and gives him some some tough news. In fact, Nehemiah one, starting in verse two, says Hanani, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. There's a whole lot of different things going on here. I'll let you uh, let you uh, study those kinds of things, but I don't want to miss what God wants us to hear this morning what he wants us to do and they said to me the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble listen and what disgrace they were disgraced among those folks that are around jerusalem's wall has been broken down and its gates have been burned down and imagine a teenager in this time all right now this is incredible to me but like like this is where, like, can you imagine, knowing that there are walls and uh, uh, gates and all those things that are protecting this city have now been destroyed. And so Nehemiah is, uh, is confronted with a problem. He can see the problem. He can say, okay, here we go. So, and, and if we can't name the problem, we can't fix the problem, and Nehemiah goes down the, 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 the list and starts saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. He starts putting together all kinds of things, and I'll explain what he does here in just just a little bit, as a church, there are several things that we have done, man, that have that I see as potential addressing of the issues of our community and in our city. One of the visions that we have is that the city is better off because we are in it, and the city knows it. And one of the things, some of the things we've done, obviously, we've done a lot of different community events. We're involved in all kinds of stuff. We have ministry, women's ministry, a fireside ministry, which I understand is. Maybe moving to Wednesday, we don't know yet, we're trying to figure that out. We've got Broken Chains Ministry, which is uh, helps with addictions and things like that. We've got classes that are going to be starting in, in September that people can learn, actually going to learn how to read your Bible and kind of dive deeper a little bit into what the what the uh, weekly message is all about. We have a Connections Ministry, if you don't know what this is, we're actually starting to reach out to people that may or may not have been out, been here for a while, and we're praying for them. We're asking if there's anything that we need. Like, this is a fantastic ministry. One of the things I'd like you guys to do is make sure that we sign those sign-up sheets. That is critically important for us to to do that ministry. And if you are a new person or if you haven't filled out your Connect cards, or there's several people we've tried to reach out to that we don't have any information to contact. If you would fill out one of your Connect cards and, like, fill out your information, we'd love to get hold of you and just talk to you a little bit, so... Oh, we've got uh, we got classes that we're going to be diving deeper into, and, and all those kinds of things that are happening, man. We've got discipleship happening, man. As a matter of fact, is it uh, September twenty eighth and twenty? Is that right? September twenty eighth and 29th, we have actually what's called one, which is a conference about one body, one faith, one like it like we are looking at what it means to be an actual disciple of Jesus. And so be looking out for that. And if you're interested in like knowing what more about discipleship and all those kinds of things, these are critically, absolutely critically important. But understand something. A lot of times people will look at these different things and they'll say, okay, well, I'm not really in the ministry. I'm not really a, a spiritual leader. I can't do some of those things. But I, like here's where this got crazy for me reading Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Was not a spiritual leader. He was a cupbearer to a king. Like he was a, a, a guy, a regular guy, not educated in the faith, not like none of that stuff. No, no seminary, no, like, hey, I've got this position in the church or anything like that. He had a hunger and a, a desire to see his city restored ultimately to the lord which we'll talk about this which a lot of people will tend to miss right they'll think of it as building a wall they'll think of it as as great vision they'll think of it as him putting a great team together and all those kinds of things but 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 nehemiah had in his mind and in his heart a restoration to the to the his people to god but he wasn't a spiritual leader in the sense of being a spiritual leader that we think about today this guy was a cupbearer to the king and one of the things he did was he went to his king when he found out about this thing and this going on in Jerusalem and he was very despondent in front of King Artaxerxes and if you're doing that in front of the king man that is not a good thing you could get like hey hey the pit of misery dilly dilly for you right that's kind of how that's going to work if you do that but so he took like he risked his privilege he risked his position. He risked his life in order to do what he did in Jerusalem. So he goes to King Artaxerxes, and man, he gets granted some great favor and, and all those kinds of things, and he he risks his position, risked his power, because he said the people of Jerusalem are worth it. And I will tell you this, the people of Edgerton, the people of Wellsville, the people of Gardner, the people of Baldwin, the people of Olathe, the people of Ottawa, the people of... Like, who, who's driven from all over here? The people of Overland Park. We've got a lot of Overland Parkers, man. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of them, right? We got, but the, the, these people are worth it for us to do what God has called us to do, to restore the city to where he has wanted it for a long time. But it's going to take all of us committed to doing that. Amen? Let's be honest. We all want preschoolers to get a better start. We all want to rescue kids from foster care. We all want to see struggling churches to thrive and survive, and we want to revitalize those. By the way, the Loma Vista folks starting next week are closing down in Raytown, and they're going to start worshiping with us for four months. Amen. It's going to be really cool, man. Pastor Price and uh, Tim and his wife, Megan, the potential worship leaders are going to be joining us. We're going to all worship together. We're going to love one another. We're going to let them rest for a little while. Some of those folks have been there for 60 plus years. We met with them this past uh, Tuesday night, and we asked them what they wanted to see. And over and over, they wanted to see children back in the church. They wanted to see the youth of the area restored to what this is the same stuff that we're going on through here and I'll explain that biblically because we want to see teenagers to have consistent mentors right but it's going to take us to step into and you hear this a lot step into the gap this from Nehemiah we all want to rid our cities of poverty and crime and have single parents to be supported and whatever's broken to get restored but are we willing to take that responsibility last year about a year ago we asked the question will it be us and we looked at it from the standpoint of those who are here, those who are coming, those who are going to stay here like that. We've got the question mark up there, right? Will it be us? Do we have a question mark up there? We got that? Will it be us? I want you to be thinking about this for, from the standpoint of, will it be us that reaches our city and restores our city the way Nehemiah had this burning passion to see Jerusalem restored? I'm going to go through a chapter of Scripture here, and I want you to look at it again from the perspective of what a teenager has seen, what a child has seen that has grown up with all this stuff going on. And yet, and here's all these stories, and here's about this God that used to exist and used to do powerful stuff and used to do all these things. And back in the day, it was great. All the things that are going on in Loma Vista is going on with I mean, it's, just, it's the craziest thing in the world to be thinking about this kind of thing like this used to be what God did back in the day when it was good. We had people say to, like, to this church when we first started here and, and revitalized what was going on here. They said, man, it'd be great if we had 30, 35 people coming to the church. Man, we got like fifty people in here right now for one service, right? God has done incredible, amazing things. We got kids going, like happening, like all up and down downstairs, right? It's wonderful. We've got youth going on. It's beautiful. It's awesome. That kind of thing's going to go on in Loma Vista. But here's the thing, man. I want us to say, it is. uh, I am going to stand in the gap for those who are in need. For those who are like whoever God like sets on fire for me in my heart. In our cities, in our towns, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our families. I want that for us. Are you with me, New City? Like, I want that so bad. And I, want, I know you do too, man. So this whole idea of will it be us. I want you to be thinking, will it be us that, that reaches our people? Will it be us that, that stands in the gap? Will it be us that identifies the problem and actually doesn't, doesn't go, okay, I'm going to do something with it. But I'm going to step in and say, let God and watch God do his work. Through me and through us, from Nehemiah four, starting in verse one, and starting in verse one through uh, twenty three, it's a it's a full chapter here. But listen to this, Sanballat. How do you say that, Sanballat? Sanballat. Okay, uh, Sanballat was is that the right one? When Sanballat heard that, I, I, got, I got something different here. Sanballat, Nehemiah four, starting in one, verse one. Okay. I got, Sam Ballot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. You may have a different version. Does that got it? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to read you what I got. Sam Ballot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage, and this Sam Ballot was one of the enemies of Jerusalem. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers listen to this, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Right? This armpit, what do they think they're, they're doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, That stone wall would collapse if even a fox along the, walked along the top of it. And they're laughing, right? Ha <laughs> ha! I think of Austin Powers when all of him and his cronies were all <laughs> right, which is really weird. But I think that's what I mean. That's what they're doing. They're laughing at these guys. What do they think? Look what we did to them, man. We don't burn their gates down, man. They're nobody. They're nobody. They're going to offer a few sacrifices. Think, poof, the building, the wall is going to be, but no, this is going to be great, right? Pop our popcorn. We'll watch the show. And then I prayed, this is one of the things I love about Nehemiah, it, wasn't, it, was an, it was a first person account, then I prayed, hear us our God, for we are being mocked, may their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land, do not ignore their guilt, do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height. Right, so they've been working. They've been working, and all like around the entire city. City for the people had worked with what? Are we with? Are we together here? Tell you what, just just let's shut that down for a second. Just listen to my words. Is that cool? Is that cool. Just put the question mark up or something. That'll work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah the Arab and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashtonites a bunch of ites, heard the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. Now think about this. The wall was getting built at a rapid pace. It's about halfway up. They've been laughing. They look around and they go, oh, oh, snap. man! That, that, whoa, what? No, we got to do something about this, right? And I love this. They were furious when they saw this happen. And they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed. Whew. To our God. So this wasn't just about rebuilding a wall. This was about restoring a relationship of people to God. Amen? And that's what we want because it can, man, we could put all kinds of new pavement, all kinds of new concrete. We could paint every house in town. We could do all those kinds of things. But if it, we don't restore people to God, it makes not a hill of beans because all that stuff's going to go away anyway. Right? I love this because those same walls are down now. This wasn't about a wall, just a wall. It was about restoring people to God. I've lost my place. Oh, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. Now, now, here, now there's a mission going on here, right? And how many times do we sometimes we want to be protecting other people? Like, oh, we don't want to work too hard. We don't want to work them too hard and that kind of thing. But, but the power of God, because this isn't saying they were. They were just starting to, to complain. There was a lot of rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. And we fall into that a lot of times when we say, will it be us? How is that going to be possible? Because there's so much to do and so many things. Guys, I'm telling you. God will make it happen with his people that he calls to make it happen with. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. There were threats all over the place, and there are threats to our spiritual awakening as well. We may not see them. They may be even from the spiritual realm, or they may be political, or they may be physical, whatever it is. But God will make it happen it is his power verse 12 the jews who live nearby near the enemy came and told us again and again they will come from all directions and attack us so i placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas i stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords spears and bows Then, as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. And listen, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes, your family. Fight for your children. Fight for your family, your wives your sons, your brothers, your daughters, and your homes. This is about fighting for those we love. Amen. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, and bows, and coats of mail. That should have like, like stopped all the things. Like should have slowed everything down, but it didn't. I love this the leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work, listen to this, with one hand supporting their load and the other hand supporting a weapon. That is awesome. Like These dudes are ready like, oh no, snap, I'm going to put this rock here and I got, this, I got this knife in my hand, I got this sword, I got this hammer about to bust somebody's skull if they come over this wall, right? Whew, that's fantastic. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to the sound of the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet rush to whatever is sounding, then our God will fight for us. Come on. Now, before I finish this out, What is that 13-year-old teenager seeing now? What are the children seeing from their parents? See, because in essence, Nehemiah looked at his people and said, will it be us that restores this? Will it be us that rebuilds this? Will it be us? And it was, right? Amen? Like, think about what they're seeing now. This is something different. This is not the defeated, despondent, the, the, the... the maligned, the, the people that are depressed and angry about all the different things that are going on, they're looking around going, holy smoke, our parents are getting it on up here, man. Right? They're getting crazy. Look at what they're doing. My dad's got a hammer. He's never touched one in his whole life. My dad, my mom's got a sword. What, what is going on here? Right? Think about what they're seeing. Think about what's happening here. This is not just about building a wall. It's about building a firm foundation on the Lord. Wow. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem, and that way they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards, who were with me ever took off our clothes we carried our weapons with us at all times even when we went for water man that's incredible see here's the thing here's what I want us to be thinking through those children saw something different finally those children saw God at work even though it looked like their parents right those children saw a, a group of people actually band together in the name of the Lord and do something amazing. Let me uh, let me just finish up here with just a little bit. If enough of us, guys, and here's where, like, how does that translate into what we've got, into what our mission is? Think about those kinds of things. Like, how do we stand and start building this wall? Not a, it's, it's, a, it's a spiritual thing it's a spiritual building up it's a it's a it's it's something that god has called us to to do in his city see cuz if enough of us get close to parents with kids with special needs or kids that are out of control and that and we can actually support them and help them it will make a tremendous difference if enough of us get close to people of a different color or a different political stance or a different uh, demographic or a different socioeconomic status or, or whatever because of injustices or whatever it is God has called you both individually and collectively as a body of believers to do, guys, I'm telling you, people will never look at the church again and say, you guys are not needed. They wouldn't. We should never measure our church's success by how many sit here in this room on Sunday. We've got to be able to measure our success of this church by how many are willing to show up in the lives of other people and do something and stand in this gap and help build this wall and bust the enemy's noggin if we need to and keep building. Everybody that Nehemiah needed in order to rebuild the town was already in the town and everybody needed is already here to build to to rebuild anything that we need to rebuild in the city. And does it will it take us painting sometimes? Yeah, will it take us cleaning up? Yeah, but it's not about that. It's not about raking somebody's yard or mowing or painting a house. It's about restoring them to God and helping them see who God is. Not I don't even want people to go, "Man, your church is awesome." I want them to go, "Your church your God is awesome." Yeah. Right? When the problems of our community, of poverty and isolation and brokenness and abuse and neglect, you name it. When we start dealing with that, rather than saying, boy, our community has addictions and crimes and all that kind of stuff going on. And man, something needs to be done about it. And we actually get involved in the lives of those suffering those things. And all those things of poverty and addiction and abuse no longer has a concept of a problem, but they have a face and a name and a soul. We'll stand up and fight for that person. That's what Nehemiah said. Fight for your family. Fight for your sons and your daughters. Stand in this gap. Amen? And the rest of the story is incredible. Because those outside the walls, the skeptics, the enemies, the mockers, said, man, we're going to bust them up if they try to build anything. Man, they believed something new about God, didn't they? Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16. Says so on October 2nd or 25th day of Elul. The wall was finished just 52 days. That's that's ridiculous. Man, those enemies had to be, they needed diapers. Um, When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. What about rebuilding a wall, man? They needed to see who God is those inside the walls changed how they listened to God. Nehemiah 8, 2 through 3 says, On October 8th, Ezra, the priest, brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women of all and all the children, old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside of the water gate and from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely, to the book of the law. And finally, a generation changed how they worshipped God and this is where the rubber meets the road and this is why we do this. Nehemiah 8, 17. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival and they were all filled with great joy. The Israelites, Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua. Son of none. it had been a long time since they partied the way they partied. And they didn't party just because there was a new wall. They didn't party because it looked good now. It didn't party because there was great protection from enemies, but because of how they saw God work in their lives. And children who were old enough to understand looked at that and said, Wow, that's amazing. And they partied and they celebrated and they worshiped together. Not because of a wall, guys. And in your seats, you've got some, we've got it up on the screen too. But I want you to be thinking about, are there things with our children, with our middle school and high school young men and women that, that I can get involved in if it's one or a group? We've got lots of people helping with, youth and lots of people helping with Kids city and but, but there may be some creative things we can do to support the things that are going on and we've got our youth going on on Sunday nights at 7 is it something you want to get involved with is it something you want to help with in the community is there something you need to do write that down and here's what we got behind this wall you like my Nehemiah wall by the way is that cool all about jacked up mess up. There's a little bucket right behind here. Take a few minutes, man. Pray. Take that with you or whatever. Drop that in the bucket as we finish up here. Just take the time. And then we're gonna take an offering and we're gonna do that. And pray for that. And we'll be dismissed shortly. So, Father, we love you. And as we take these couple of minutes to to pray and ask you what you want us to do with these wily children and youth and young men and women. Now there are people in our city that look because there's so many things going on, so much poverty and addiction and crazy stuff going on, and, and the man, we argue about politics and there's social media that people bully each other on and they sometimes just look and say God where are you I thought you were real back in the day when my parents used to talk about the things that you did when they were younger but God we don't have to sit back and have a, a concerned look on our face Lord you have called us to stand in your gap You have called us to, and it may not be a physical wall to build, but a wall of protection around this city that is impenetrable. Show us, God. Show us what to do. Show us what to say. Show us who to see. Give us your words, give us your thought, and give us your heart as we reach your people for you. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and the privilege of something we don't have to do but get to do. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Everybody said amen.